Well, praise God. Get your Bibles out somewhere, church. And just kind of throw it open for right now. And I want to I want to get into this message um, about hearing the voice of God. Now, I know some people may be freaked out, said, oh, my gosh, he's talking about hearing voices and whatever, you know. See, there you go right there. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I've been through this whole message. You can go back and listen to the whole series. I took it slowly. I went through there. I showed you how in the Old Testament God was always speaking to his people. It, it, the Bible is, is full of God speaking to his people. God wants to have a relationship with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. Well, how can you have a relationship and fellowship with God if you never hear his voice speaking to you? And I've told you, and I, and I preached it, man, it was a trophy. It was one I, I, I had to go home and take notes on myself after I finished it. <laughs> on Wednesday night, uh, this last Wednesday, and it's talking about how the Word of God is the foundation for all of that. Because if, you, if you're really going to study this and what God's saying right now, you need to listen to the Wednesday night messages too. And about how the Word is the foundation for everything. And if you don't have the foundation of the Word in you and the things that come up upon you in life, if you can't lay it upon the foundation of the word in your life, you're going to have some real issues because you're going to be mixing and meshing, trying to do worldly thinking and worldly reasoning and this reasoning and that reasoning, putting it all in there when it's real simple. We just do what the word says and go on. You say, well, but that's all given to interpretation and what translation you read. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's really not. If you just set aside in your heart that you're going to do everything that the word says, and you're going to start with the obvious. <laughs> let's just start working on loving your neighbor, huh? You know, let's just start with the obvious big ones. Repentance. Hello? Let's don't start with, should a woman's head be covered when she comes to church? I don't know if I can serve God if I don't know the answer to that scripture. Well, I'm saying you're, you're being foolish because you're taking one scripture and you're building a whole doctrine on it. When why don't you try to do the rest? And while you're trying to love your neighbor and forgive your enemies and love God and put him first and, and, and be, uh, be a person who is not selfish and self-centered. And while you're doing that, the Holy Ghost will work all the rest of the little things in life out about how much water you're supposed to use and what is supposed to go on and those kind of things. It's pretty simple, okay? But everybody wants to, you know, which I want to get into. I'll be quiet. Okay. So, so last week I talked about, you got to put yourself, you're not going to hear the voice of God unless you're going to put yourself in a position to hear the voice of God. Okay? If you don't have a time set upon, an appointment set in your life that you're having time, that you, that's your time with God, then folks, I'm going to tell you something. You're, you're not going to be hearing the voice of God. You're not going to be getting built up. You're not going to be getting strengthened. You've got to have an appointment set. It doesn't make any difference. We're all different people. I don't care if it's at midnight or if it's at eight or if it's at whatever, at lunch, whatever your time is, you have to have an appointment set to meet with God. Okay. And in this appointment, you have to get alone, which is where I want to start here this today, because I found in life, most people don't want to be alone. Because when they're alone, they're alone with themselves or God, and uh, they don't want to be confronted by what's going on in their life. 
Because a lot of times there's a little voice already down there speaking in us saying, you know, you ought to stop doing that. You shouldn't have said what you did. You ought to be nice. But when you get alone, that comes up. And when you don't want to hear that, then you don't want to be alone. So you want to be at the coffee shop complaining about everything. I'm just preaching here this morning. Come on. Y'all don't look at me, you know. Because you see, if you're going to get if you want to get alone, what we need to do is you need to get along with Jesus. Right. Because when you get along with Jesus, he's going to have some wisdom to help you get out of the mess that you're in. And so but you if you're going to have this appointment with God, you got to have a time and you got to be alone. So I'm not knocking Bible studies. I'm not knocking, you know, devotionals or prayer time with people. I'm not knocking that at all. But I'm just saying, don't count that as your alone time with God. Because you can be so busy in the ministry, so busy in the Bible study, so busy in the church attendance, so busy in the conference going, so busy in the, the, the reading your book and studying this and the one, two, threes and the four, five, six. You never stop to just talk to God. And I would rather sit out on my porch and, 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 and pet my dog and look up in the sun and, and the sun, look up into the sky and, and talk to my heavenly father then I would do anything else in the world. Hello? And so we've got to find this time. This, the world's so fast-paced, and it's also full of electronics, and we always want to be stimulated. And people don't want to just sit down and not be stimulated. Now, I'm a strange duck. I was raised out on a ranch. I, I, I had very little to do with people. I had an older sister, but I was always by myself, and I was a loner. And so I love to be alone. I love to sit in the quiet. The uh, quieter it is, the more I like it. Unless it's like this morning, my ears are kind of stopped up and they're ringing. I don't like that. But I, I, I just want to, I, I like to be alone. Okay? But there's times I want to be with people. I want to be around people and I want to have fellowship. But listen to me, folks. You got to find that time that you're going to be alone with God. All right? So look at 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10. That's the first scripture we'll start at. 2 Corinthians 7, 10. 2 Corinthians 7, 10. It says, for godly sorrow produces repentance, leading to salvation, not to be regretted, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Godly sorrow, it says, leads us to repentance. And so the other day I was going across this scripture when I was getting this message all put together a couple of three, four weeks ago, and uh, it just hit me when I read this. It was like it was just like leapt, leapt off the page at me. Godly sorrow produces something. That's the way I said it to myself. Godly sorrow produces something. In other words, right now, and I, I look, I'm, I, I am prodding you because I believe we all as sheep need to be prodded right now, Okay. Because I believe, I'm telling you, this is what I believe. You can say, well, pastor, you're a conspiracy theorist or whatever. But I believe right now we're not headed in the right direction. I believe the world is not headed in the right direction. I believe that there's more hard days ahead of us than there are good days. I don't believe we're just going to make an election and then everything's going to turn and be rosy. I don't, I, I'm sorry. I, I, I pray for our nation, I pray for, for the world, I pray for everything. But folks, things don't look too good right now. 
And so all I'm saying to you is there has never been a time in life that I want to encourage you more that it's time to get off of your seat and get up and seek God with all of your heart. And if you've not known how to do it, that's why I'm preaching this message to try to give you a a pathway, an idea. But if you're not sorry or have godly sorrow in you, for not developing your relationship with God as a Christian. Now, I'm talking to Christians. If you don't know Jesus, you've never made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, well, folks, you got to pass on this one. I mean, you're headed to hell anyway, but bless God, uh, I'll tell you how to get right in the end of it, but, but I'm telling you, I'm talking to Christians right now. Christians have been sitting around letting preachers give them the word, sitting around telling them the church doctrine and this and that and the other, not seeking God, not reading their Bibles, not praying, not having a relationship. I mean, the statistics say Christians only pray three minutes a day, and that includes, oh God, when you almost hit somebody with a car. I'm serious. That's what the survey say. Three minutes a day is what a Christian prays. How are you going to have a relationship with an almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth, who only does wondrous things? How are you going to have a relationship with him to help guide you in life and build you up in life and and, and strengthen you in life and keep you from getting your foot caught in the snare? Come on. How are you going to have that if you only spend three minutes? And part of that is the majority of that's just going to be in complaining. I mean, the other day I had a complaining session with the Lord. I was talking to the Lord. I said, hey, what's going on? I know you haven't fallen off the throne, but I mean, really? I need to see some things happening. And the Lord just spoke to me right down here. Still small voice on the inside of me. He said, I got it. Don't worry. And I said, I'm not sure you do. He said, that's pretty bold talk for a preacher. And I said, no, I'm I'm serious. I said, Lord, I I don't really see your end game here. Seems to me you could do this or that or the other. And I could just like hear the fingers in heaven going like this. (laughs) Like, it's a good thing I'm a God of grace and compassion and love and mercy. Or I'd (laughs) box your ears right now. Talk to me like that. I got it under control. But we see we get like that sometimes. We don't feel like God's got it under control. We feel like, what are you doing, Lord? you got to be doing something. You know, where's the revival? Where's this? Where's that? But I'm just saying, if you start with your life and you have godly sorrow, you don't want to. You want to please God. You want to live to please God. You want to make sure that your life is pleasing to God. Not man. Listen to me. You're not ever going to please man. I've learned this over 30 years of pastoring. Listen to me. Somebody's always going to be mad at me. There's going to be another offense to walk through. There's going to be some. It don't make no difference. You clean it all up and think, <laughs> woo, everything's looking good. Then uh, something's going to happen. It just does that way. That's life. But the Bible says godly sorrow. But look, it, godly sorrow in you produces something. It's called repentance. And repentance means you, your eyes are finally open. You say, man, Lord, I'm stupid. That's a good repentance prayer. It doesn't have to be, oh, Lord, thou that sitteth in the heavens, who reigneth on high, thou so much know everything. No, no, no. God, I'm stupid. I'm sorry. That's a good repentance prayer. That is a good repentance prayer. Okay? The other day, I'm getting off track, and I hope to get back on track, but I was listening to, I was doing YouTube, and there was a, a man who, uh, he was, he was, uh, um, I guess you would say debating with a Muslim about 
the truth of Christianity. And this man who was doing the debating had been a Muslim. And, and I was I listened to the conversation. And when I got through, I said, I said, man, that dude is smart. I mean, you could not have heard the more elegant words coming out of this man and all the stuff that he was saying. And I was like, dude, I'm just impressed with your 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 vocabulary. Now, see, I don't have that. That ain't my gift. I talk country. And God knows that. So I I don't have to worry that I'm trying to impress my heavenly father with my Great words. He looks into my heart and he knows that godly sorrow in me that, Lord, I messed up. Godly, why did I do that? He knows it's true. But it does something. It says godly sorrow. It produces repentance. So then I said, God, I don't want to do that. But what? Watch what it does. Then once you repent it, it leads you into salvation, which is victory. So messing up is not bad Only in the sense that if you mess up, you stay in the mess up. Messing up, producing godly sorrow, producing repentance, and leading you into victory. Woo, that's good. That's good stuff. So you may not have ever had a relationship with the Lord. You may not have ever, you may be one of the three-minute Christians. You may be a one-minute Christian. You're like the one-minute rice. You just may be a one-minute Christian. But listen to me right now. It's okay. Listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what the spirit of God is crying out, because God, it's not like like like. God's doing it because he's a mean God. God's doing it because he loves you. He doesn't want to see you get trapped. He doesn't want to get you. He doesn't want to see you get deceived and get off and get into trouble and 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 do the wrong thing. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wants to love you. He wants he wants to give you the greatest life. Bible says he wants to give you the desires of your heart. God is all for you. He's not against you. So then why wouldn't you want to have a relationship with him? Why wouldn't you want a fellowship with him? Why wouldn't you want to get in there? And I'll show you why. Go to Luke chapter 10, verse 38. I'll tell you what happens to us. Now, I told y'all I got a, I got a puppy and uh, that my puppy was going to get worked into the messages because I always have things that I see in those situations. And so... My little puppy, it really, he really likes to bite. <clears throat> so he gets, she, it's a she, she gets to playing, and uh, man, I mean, she don't treat me as no. She's like, I'm cut up, got scut, all I bled, man, I'm almost anemic from having this dog. <laughs> and and she's, she's just trying to play, but I mean, she got razor sharp teeth. I was thinking about getting a pair of pliers and snapping them babies off. I mean, there are some serious teeth. And uh, so I was looking up, you know, how do you properly train a dog? I just don't want to beat the thing with a newspaper every time it bites me because I know that's not the right way to do it. And so this one person where, where I was reading said, well, you, you need a distraction. You know, so if the puppy gets too rough, starts biting, you get, a, you get the ball or you get something, you, you cause a distraction. The minute he said that, this scripture came up in my heart. Luke 10, 38. Since now it happened as they went, he entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him to her house. And he said, and she had a sister called Mary, who also, look where Mary was, sat at the feet, sat at the feet of Jesus and heard his word. But Mary was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sisters left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. 
And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken away. And the moment that I, I, I read this guy's deal saying to distract the dog with something else so he's not biting your hand, he's biting the ball. The moment that he said that, I thought to myself, I thought about Martha. That how in life we want, you, you, if you're born again, and you love Jesus. He's on the inside of your heart. You believe he's the son of God. There is a part of you that wants to have a relationship with God. But we're like my puppy. We get distracted. Hello? I mean, she can be tearing up a, a ball and just, just doing whatever, and you can make a sound, and she'll stop instantly. What's that? What's how we are? It's squirrel, right? Squirrel, squirrel. And then we just froze, and we're looking over at something else. And we're like, okay, this morning I'm going to have a Bible study and I'm going to really get into this thing. I'm going to see, I'm going to read my word. And we get out about three, ten, you know, and then you get to think about what you're going to do or the phone rings or, you know, there's a noise outside or the dog barks or something. There's something to distract you. And I want to tell you that the biggest reason I think that most Christians do not have a deep relationship with the Lord or a time that they set a time to, to do it is because you get distracted. Now, you have a re there's a reason for that. Because the devil does not want you to be in contact with your heavenly father. And so he's going to do everything he can to do to make a distraction. And if you don't see it and realize it and understand it, what's going on? And just say, ah, whatever. As long as the house isn't on fire, it's all right. Because, folks, you've got to discipline yourself and bring it to her. The devil will always keep you in distraction. You got to do like Mary does. Now think about this. Here's Martha. She's looking around. She's saying, "Man, they, we need some more cups. You know, we don't have enough silverware." Oh, then she's all worried about all this stuff. And Mary is looking in the eyes of the world like a real swine. Right? She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, not helping poor old Martha. She's just sitting at the feet of Jesus, looking at him. Listen to his word. <gasps> That's amazing, Lord. And Martha's over here just working, thinking that's the best to, to take care of the guest and to go, folks, listen to me, you don't want to be a Martha. You want to be a Mary. Because sitting at the feet of Jesus is where he's going to give you the strength and the revelation and the understanding for everything you need. For everything you need. Because, folks, listen to me, most Christians are tormented by the devil continually. Hear what I'm saying. He said, oh, pastor, I just don't even listen to me. Let me give you a few. Here's your signs. OK. So if, if there's a recording playing off in your head all the time and it's negative, there's a sign. That you're being tormented by the devil. If if every situation you look at has doom and gloom attached to it. There's a sign the devil is tormenting you. See, what we do is we build up strongholds in our minds that every day we wake up and then the recording of the court battle takes place in your head. The what ifs, the accusations, the judgments, the guilts, the shame, the whatever it may be goes off in your head. And the devil keeps that recording playing all the time and going through and going through until he brings you into a place of torment and frustration. And that's how he keeps you from hearing the voice of God, because all you're doing is hearing the voice of condemnation, guilt, whatever it be. How many of y'all ever got a stupid song hung in your head? I mean, a dumb, dumb song. 
I could throw out a few right now. I wouldn't do it to you. And y'all would be stuck with it. Y'all would not listen to me the rest of the time of the message. You wouldn't hear anything else I was saying. All you'd hear is a little song going through your head. Kids songs are just unbelievable. Unbelievable. And I don't know. Sometimes I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's a chemical imbalance. I don't know what it is. It stirs something in my body and I'll get one sung in my head. And I cannot get rid of it unless I go get another song and replace it. But the moment I get and put on whatever I want, you know, um, doesn't matter. That song's gone. And then the song that I'm hearing is the one I just played. Well, the same way, you're not going to get rid of that torment in your brain until you can get your relationship with the Lord based in the word. And, you know, the words, it's, it's coming to you. So, no, 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 that's not right. No, the Bible says in Philippians 1 and 6, God's going to perfect all that which concerns me. He's working on my behalf. No, the blood of Jesus has covered me. According to uh, Colossians 1 and 22, I'm, 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 I'm holy, unblameable, unreprovable in this sight. According to Jude 24, he's going to present me before God. You start. Start shutting that up. And the minute you shut that up, then all of a sudden, then you're open then to be able to hear the voice of the Lord. But until you get that thing shut up and get off of that distraction, you're going to be like Martha running around, running around, running around. You're not going to be like Mary. Now, Jesus spent time alone a lot. He'd go up and pray all night, right? But why did he do that? Go to Colossians 3.1. Why did he do that? Can you imagine? I mean, the devil himself came to Jesus and tormented him. All right? I don't think y'all or me are really in a place where the devil himself is. We just got some little stupid imp. Colossians 3, 1 says, If you then are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. So there's a, there's a, there's a process to this. You see, you can't just go out there and sit down and say, All right, Lord, I'm here. Lay it on me. What do you got for me today? It's not going to work like that. Because the Bible says you've got to set your Mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. So you got to make sure that your brain, because your brain, I don't, you know, it don't ever shut up. It's always going to be feeding you something. You just have to make sure the something that it's feeding you is the things of God. Hello? So then the next thing here that I, 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 we, I don't even know if I've talked about this or another, but it's worship. Now, I want to tell you something. You say worship. You take somebody, you take some of y'all here that are great musicians. I mean, to say worship to you is no big deal. Just grab your guitar, grab the piano, do whatever. You play, you sing unto the Lord. Oh. But I don't do well at five o'clock in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, singing anything. I just don't. I can't even get my fingers to move, much less anything else. I'm not going to be playing and, and doing that time. But I learned something a long time ago. And so look in Matthew chapter 6. I learned this a long time ago. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 through 13, we get the Lord's Prayer. And uh, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he gave them the Lord's Prayer. And so, you know, the, the Lord's Prayer goes, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Now, I, I, I don't know. Again, this may be country. I was always taught, hallowed be thy name. But it may be, hallowed be thy name. I don't care. I care about what it means. 
What it means is that you are exalting your heavenly Father. So my worship, when I when I'm praying, it, it, look, and again, like I said, there's no rules of this thing. If you're if you want to if you want to do it, whatever you want to break out, sing a cappella, you want to sing with music, you want to do. I, I don't. That, that, that's it. The thing is, are you hallowing? Are you worshiping God? who you know that created you and that he's for you? Are you worshiping him in the sense, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come and thy will be done, right? But are you worshiping him in the sense that you're stopping saying, God, you're, you're amazing. Okay, like, like this is worship. You, some of you great spiritual monkish type people may think that I'm, I'm, I'm being too common here, but I want to tell you all something. What, less than a month ago, this place around here looked like desert. Hello? And now you were all complaining because you can't get your lawnmower started. And this, yeah, this morning I was looking at it. I was looking at the oak trees that I thought were dying. And today, those oak trees I thought were either dead or dying have acorns on them. Have these little acorns coming up. And I'm like, oh my gosh. I was looking at that this morning. I said, God, it's so amazing what you made in creation. That, that this water falls from the sky and it hits in the ground and, it, and it, it created this whole thing and life brought up. I mean, folks, do you realize that in you know literally three weeks we have grass that there was not there is up and it's already got seed on it to produce this this drive in nature that to go into to be able to produce acorns are being produced. Seeds are being produced. People are bailing hay all over the place. Are you all with me? When I sit and talk to my Heavenly Father, I say, man, you are so amazing. How you produce this, how you do this. Folks, that's worship. It may not be that I wrote a lovely song or sat at the piano or played my guitar or whatever. No, no, no. I'm just talking. That's what I'm talking about. There has to be this moment that you are giving him praise and honor because he is God. And you recognizing it. And you're exalting him for who he is and who he is in your life. That's what the whole prayer, that's what the whole Lord's prayer was about. Okay? You got to look at look down at, 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 at verse 19, Matthew 6, 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where there is neither moth nor rust and destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasures, there your heart will be. Make God your treasure. Make this relationship with your heavenly father and with Jesus and the Holy Ghost your treasure in life. Make it to where it's the most important thing that you want to just go in there and, and just stroke it and pet it and love it because that's your greatest treasure. There are so many people that, that they're, they're so deceived because they don't want to talk to God because they just figure they're going to get in trouble. God's going to tell them quit doing this or quit doing that or he's mad at them or, you know, they've got this, this, this vision of this Angry God who is just, you know, after them and is not satisfied with them. And, uh, you know, some, some of them have a good reason for that because they, they've sat under preachers who have preached hellfire and damnation to everybody and forgot about the grace and the love of God. I, I don't believe in doing wrong. I don't believe in cheap grace, but I definitely do know that there is grace. I preach that we ought to have hearts that seek God and love God and want God, right? Amen. Amen. 
If God's first in your life, well, then, you know, the rest of everything else is just going to begin to line up. But God's got to be first. That's where your treasure's got to be. All right. So look down at verse 33, Matthew 6, 33. He says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Hello. And his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Well, then, folks, that's a pr- I mean, here again. Why are we trying to figure out the complicated things? Why don't we just figure out the easy things? Seek God. Make him first. His righteousness, his look. When he says this, listen to me, you're not going to be righteous by your good works. I hate to tell you this morning, none of you get a gold star for coming to church. No one got one. No gold stars for us. God's not a God of works. You get the greatest, and it's not a gold star, it's a red star called the blood of Jesus when you make him the Lord and Savior of your life and he washes you, cleanses you, and makes you holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in the sight of God. That's the righteousness you need to seek. So here we go. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then what happens? Everything gets added to you. So you're trying to sit up and arrange your morning and arrange your life and arrange your retirement and how it's all going to work and all this kind of stuff when the whole time you've missed it because you should have been seeking God first so that he could have got everything lined up in your life. But you're over here seeking your own desire. And so therefore, you're going to get your own result. Look at the person beside you. Say, oh, pastor, I love it when he preaches like this. OK, the next one, first Peter five, six, first Peter five, six. It says, therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Now, after you've been worshiping, if you've got your time alone, after you've been sitting there, after you worshiped, after you got. Now, listen, if you're burdened with something, you might as well get it off your shoulders right then, because you're, you're just going to be like, like, you know, you're going to be like the kid in the candy store. You're not going to settle down until you get what you want. You're not. You're not that mature. You may be sitting there with a smile on your face saying, yes, yes, Lord, I'm here to hear your voice. And you're just waiting and you're trying to look good, but down on the inside of you are saying, I need to tell you something. <laughs> Have you seen what's going on over here? <laughs> but you're trying to that religious way to be all nice and yes, yes, Lord, I'm here. I am your servant. Just speak unto me, Lord, and I will obey He knows what you're doing. So what I'm telling you is get this part out right off the bat after you've set your appointment, after you've begun to worship him, go ahead and cast your cares upon him. Talk to him right then. You just go ahead and start the conversation because you're going to anyway. Okay. Now go to 1 John 5.14. But you've got to, it says casting your cares upon him for he cares for you. You've got to understand this relationship. The one thing I'm so amazed about our Heavenly Father, about Jesus, about the Holy Ghost, is that God has this ability, because he's God, to have patience with us when we're being very foolish. When we're spewing out the biggest bunch of doubt and unbelief, the biggest bunch of nonsense out of our mouth to him, He has the ability to still love us and then help us get over it. That's what I love about him. That's what I love about him. And so you're going to have to sit there and you're going to have to get it off your chest. 
But he says, it's okay. Cast your cares upon him for he cares for you. First John 5, 14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Now, see again, people have gotten all, all crazy in this. Well, how do you know if what you're praying is the will of God? So if it's not the will of God, then God's not going to answer that prayer because, you know, God only answers the things that are his will, but I don't know what his will is because I don't spend any time with him to know. You're in a predicament. You don't know what the will of God is because you never read your Bible. So you don't know what the will of God is. So therefore, you don't have any confidence and you want him to give it to you, but you want him to give it to you like an injection. And then you got it. I got it now, Lord. I see what's going on. It doesn't work that way. Can I tell you this real simply? In the little bitty book of 3 John, uh, let's just look at it. Go to 3 John. And there's only one chapter, so 3 John 1. And let's look at verse 1, 2. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. What is the will of God for you in life? Pretty, pretty amazing, pretty plain right there. I pray that you prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. That's pretty black and white, isn't it? So let's just take that one. <laughs> you hear what I'm saying? let's just take that one scripture and apply it to our lives and say, okay, Lord, I thank you that it is your will that you want me to prosper. That means prosper physically, prosper spiritually, prosper in my soul, right? It's the will of God that I prosper. So when I go to God to pray, it, I know he's, he's, he wants me to prosper. What does prosperity look like? You know what prosperity looks like. But I'll tell you something, prosperity, you also know, isn't how much money you got in the bank. Because right. I know a lot of men that have a lot of money in the bank that are miserable. Right. It's what you got in here. What's going on around you, okay? But listen to me. This is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Okay, do you imagine this scene now? You're sitting here having, a fe having fellowship with the Lord and you're casting your cares upon him and heaven is hearing your prayer. And then you have to stop right then and say, wow. So you hear my prayer. So what do you want to do about it, God? Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. So you're sitting there praying. And so what do you know? This is what he says. He says, when you pray, ask. You're asking. He says, when you ask, get through asking, then you're going to receive. Are you with me? Confidence comes. See, I go sit down and I go into the courts of heaven. Oh, going to the third heaven? Well, not really. I don't really leave my chair drinking my coffee, petting my dog. But in my mind and in my by faith, I know that the moment I get up there and go, <coughs> that's you and the mosquitoes that are around out of the way, you know. <laughs> Drink a sip of coffee and I say, Heavenly Father, I just praise you today. God, you're amazing. You're so amazing. You only do wondrous things. Look at all the things. God. And I talk to the Lord for a minute. And then in a minute, I say, Lord, you know, I'm really concerned. You know, so-and-so and so-and-so and this and that and the other. Lay it out. And then I start talking to him. And then I know that I'm in the courts of heaven. In my mind. You say, oh, you're visualizing. No. I'm just saying, by faith, I know this is the principle. It's, he says, pray. And when you have pray, you have confidence. You know that your prayer is being heard. So my prayer is being heard. So everybody's in heaven. And if somebody came walking in the, the throne of heaven at that moment, they'd be said, 
Oh, that's Robert. I, yeah, <laughs> he's in here all the time. I don't care what Isaiah have to say that morning. I don't care what Ezekiel's got to say that morning. I don't care what Jeremiah's doing. Daniel, get out of my way. Bless God, I'm praying. Are you all with me? And I share my needs. And when I lay my concerns on the altar and I lay those cares on the altar, I'm not picking them back up because I can't fix it anyway. I can't heal a gnat. I can't get anything fixed. And even more so now, I can't get anything done. Because every time I'm called, oh, I'm sorry, we're out of stock on that. Are y'all following here this morning, church? This is the way our life should be. It's very freeing, very rewarding, and I don't pick it back up. And if somebody calls me with another prayer request, I just take it. Uh, got an amendment, Lord. Y'all may be shocked at this, but listen to me. I don't spend a lot of time on my prayer concerns. I don't. Because I, I know I'm in heaven. I know I'm at the throne. I know that's where I'm supposed to lay my petitions down, so I lay my petitions down. I ain't begging God to do it. He said he'd do it. He gave me a promise he'd do it. So I just simply go on there and say, Lord, oh, so-and-so sick. I don't try to get up. Oh, show me the deep things of God. Lord, what should I do? <laughs> no, I'm just laying my concerns down at the feet of Jesus because he said he'd take care of it because he cares for me. Remember I told you last week, you're not pack animals. I can't pack the burdens. I'm a sheep. Sheep aren't pack animals. Nobody rents a sheep to go packing on a hunting trip. We're not pack animals. Hello? We don't do that. You can't, you're, not, you're not built to carry the concerns of the, the, your life and the world on your shoulders. This hit me the other day. I was praying. And I, I got to thinking about the United States, and uh, this probably get me cut off, uh, uh, but that's okay. They can give me another warning. Uh, and I was thinking about the United States, thinking about the elections coming up and all this, and I was thinking about uh, it just, it, I said it in myself like this. I said, yeah, I don't know, Lord, is there going to be a return of Trump? And then when I, immediately when I said that, I just smiled, and I started laughing, and I said, Lord, I don't know what you're going to do about that, but I just want to see the return of Christ. Hello? Because there's a bigger something out there that's at my concerns laid down and that God's going to do it and God's got to do a miracle and he's going to make everything work out. Lord, I just really like to see the return of Christ. Hello? So if you've gotten up from your laying down your concerns and you're still concerned, you didn't lay it down. Pretty simple, huh? If you're still burdened, you didn't get rid of the burden. Well, I just wasn't quite that much out there. I just feel like I need to do something more. Yep, that's a problem. <sighs> Devil's got a stronghold in your mind. He's got you convinced that you've got to do it by works. You can't do it by faith. So you're going to be in torment until basically you get that. Call the Freedom Prayer team and get help. Why did it just drop and get so quiet when I said that? <laughs> I said that and it just went. <laughs> Is it because that's what happens to us a lot? See, I see it like this. I see it like, <laughs> this maybe, forgive me, Lord. But I see it like all the cartoons I've ever seen about Santa's workshop. When I go in there and lay down my request, angels are working on my behalf. So it's like Santa's workshop. Everything's going. Everybody's working. Everybody's trying to bring about whatever. So I don't worry about it. Now, if it raises its head up, I start getting irritated because then I'm like, 
Hey, who's working on this? <laughs> it's saying it's raised its ugly head again. Do I need to pray about it again? Come on, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You took care of that. Are you all with me? But I'm not going to go back into major intercessory prayer over the thing because the thing was dealt with in the courts of heaven. So therefore, it's defeated and God's on the on the job doing it. So then, you know, I just like I said, get a little irritated if it didn't happen as fast as I think it should. Which is what happens to most of us. We always think God should move faster than he does. But if we will ever come to the place to realize that he's the one that's in charge, not us. And it's on his timetable, on his time schedule, then. It's like. Right now, you know, the, all these things are stirring around. All these things are going on and talking about building and talking about the Freedom Center and all this kind of stuff. I was like, told the Lord, did this. I said, man, you know, couldn't you come up with this like 20 years ago when I was a little younger, had a little more energy? And why are you messing with it now? And again, he's like, I, I don't know what you're worried about. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one who does it. And I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of stuck in a position down here, Lord, that, you know, but this is good to have conversation like this with the Lord. Okay? And this is how it goes all day long with me. I don't have an appointment with God and then leave the appointment and never go back with God. I just start the appointment that morning and it's just an ongoing appointment. Because I'm not going to get out of his presence. And I'm going to be talking to him. And then the next concern comes up. Something else happens. All right? Okay, it takes you to the next point. Okay? which I covered pretty well last Wednesday night, but uh, Hebrews 1, Hebrews 1, 1. And I want to finish up here. Hebrews 1, 1. It says, God who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophet has in these last days spoken to us by his son. This simple book called a Bible is the living word of God. And it has this ability to have bring life to you, to connect with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that are born again. See, if you're not born again, if you don't know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of your life, it doesn't negate that the word is not truth. What it does is it just means it doesn't come alive to you because you don't have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. But if you're born again, you've made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life in this glorious force has come upon you and created, made you a new creature, right? Then you have this ability to have contact with the word because of the word. Jesus said in John 6, 63, that the words that I speak, the spirit in their life. So it has the ability to, to come alive to you. That's why people who are not saved just read the Bible as a historical book and they're like, oh, I read the Bible, but I mean, you know, yeah, because you're not born again, it doesn't connect with you. But when you're born again, this is your life source. Okay? And this is what God has chosen to use to speak to us. Now, 1 John 2 and 20 says, and y'all can turn there and shoot up on the screen or whatever. 1 John 2 and 20 says that you have an anointing. Now, let me just read it. But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things, is what it says. It's, it, it's a scripture that just kind of is like, what? Yeah. In other words, you have an ability, you have a gifting, you have an anointing, you have a gracing, you have a, 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 a however you want to say it. For God to speak to you and show you literally all things. All the things about the kingdom, all the things about the, now it doesn't mean you can handle it. 
I mean, right now, if just God lifted the veil and all of y'all right now, just, your eyes were open up and you saw all the angels of heaven that are in this room and you saw them and it showed up like that. Some of you would probably think, oh, it'd be too much for you. Okay. But you do have an anointing. You have a gifting. You have a gracing on the inside of you because you've been born again, because the spirit of life is on the inside of you that, you know, you know, the things of God. And God always wants to keep pouring that into you, and he's going to do it because 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, folks, listen to me. This Bible that we have here is your source. And if you're not reading your source on a on a, on a, a following a plan, going through it and reading your source every day, then what's going to happen to you? You have bits and pieces. You're trying to remember what the manual said when you read it once a long time ago. You're not in pouring on the inside of you everything that the word could have for you. You're missing it. And I've heard people give me every excuse in the world for not reading their Bible. I mean, I've heard them say, well, I was a kid, you know. You used to go to Baptist church, always trying to do that. Maybe make, make learn to do sword drills and all that stuff. Never was too good. You know, kind of kind of about half dyslexic. Don't just don't really understand too much. You don't understand it when I read it. All them these and thou. So we'll get you a Bible you can understand and quit complaining and shut up and sit down and read it. That's as sweet as I can say it. Because I'm trying to save your life here. Quit making excuses. And just get you a translation you can read. Folks, listen, you don't even have to go buy a Bible. Now, we've got the bookstore in there. Bookstore is awesome. The bookstore is amazing. If you hadn't been in the bookstore, we've redone it in there. We've got all kinds of stuff. You've got uh, pastor's picks over there. You've got all these kind of unbelievable great books and stuff in there in the Bible. You say, well, I don't know. I like to read, you know, whatever. Well, you know, maybe that's where you need to start. But let me tell you something. You can just go get your phone and you can download a free Bible app that's got, I don't know how many translations on that thing, and pick one. Okay, there's no real excuse. You say, well, I don't like to read. Download one that talks. Well, I don't like the translator's voice. I don't like the way he talks. (laughs) Just admit it. You don't want to do it. And you're being like the 10 virgins. You're going to run out of oil. You're going to run out of word. And then you're going to come crying and trying to beg some off somebody else when it gets down to the last deal. And we're all going to say, ah, Sorry. And then Jesus is going to open up the door and he said, who are you? Lord, look at my gold stickers that I got for going to church. Don't you know me? And I said, I never had a relationship with you. Who are you? This is reality, church. Listen to me. I'm telling you a reality. You say, well, pastor, that's kind of harsh. I don't know if Jesus would do that. He did. He told the story. <laughs> Have y'all ever read over there, and I believe it's Luke 12, where Jesus talks about those who come to heaven? And he says, and there'll be some who'll be beaten with many stripes. Have you ever read that? And I read it one day, and I was like, <clears throat> wait a minute, Lord. You said there'll be some in heaven that'll be beaten with many stripes. <laughs> Whoo, wow, Lord, you said they're going to be in heaven and get beaten. He's like, well, I've never read that scripture. I don't know where that can come from, preacher. I'm just saying to you, 
Maybe you ought to have a little more honor, a little more respect and pay a little more attention to what the word says and just really dig in and then get to that time where you're going to read your word. You're going to pray every day. You're going to fall on your face and say, God, I don't care if I'm reading Leviticus. Give me something. <laughs> hey, I'll admit it the other day I, in my Bible reading. I, I ended up, you know, you know I'm, I, I read it through and, and I was in uh, First Chronicles, got over there and all the names of whose family and who did what. And, and I, I spent, you know, a week and a half going through the chapters with all the names and I wasn't too much fun, but I said, show me something here, Lord. And I did. I got some good laughs that are trying to pronounce, pronounce their name. One old gal named Hogla. <laughs> and I laughed about that for a long time. I said, man, that's a bad thing to name your daughter. If you wanted to marry her off old Hogla. <laughs> no, wee Hogla, come on over here. That just didn't sound right to me. So anyway, I'm saying you got to get something out of those names. You got to figure out something, right? But you got to get you, you got to get that living word. Hebrews 412. You know, you know, the scripture, the word is alive. It's sharper than any two edged sword piercing him into the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit. God wants to talk to you through the word. But if you don't read the word, he can't talk to you through the word. Folks, when I'm when you say, oh, God, he speaks Pastor Robert all the time. He's just always talking to Pastor Robert. Pastor Robert's always reading this Bible. That's how God is 99.9% of the time speaking to me. I don't sit down and hear God, <clears throat> Robert, thou who sitteth in the chair with coffee and a dog. <laughs> I don't hear that. I hear the still small voice of God speaking to me through his word in my spirit. Because I have the word stuck and abiding in me because of Reading and reading and reading and reading and scratching and reading and scratching and reading. You want that too? Do it. That's all you got to do. Read your Bible. That's why I have the plan. To try to get you to into this habit of reading your Bible every day. Somewhere, someday. I do not leave the house without reading my Bible. I won't leave. I don't care who wants me. I don't care who needs me. I don't care if I have to get up an hour ahead of time. I will not leave the house until I've read my six chapters that morning and talked to God. I ain't going to do it. If it'd be the same as saying you're in a, you're in a combat situation, you're going to leave without your gun and go out in the forest. You ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. And it's just said in me, I will not do it. There's no way to compromise me. I will not do it. There has been times that I'm reading my, I got my, my scriptures and I'm reading it and all, and there's an emergency situation. I have to jump up and I have to leave. And I read, you know, I read three of my six chapters. Well, then when I get back home, I'm reading the other three. Or there has been times that it took me way off. And so the next morning I got up, I read the three that I was supposed to read the day before, plus all the rest of the six. I ain't going to get, I'm not going to get behind. I don't want yesterday's news. Right? I don't want to read last week's newspaper. I want the fresh manna from off the throne. This is the way you got to get. You got to get bulldog. You got to get tough. You got to get to where there's no way that you're going to let the devil win this battle. You're going to win. You're going to get fresh manna from heaven every single day. Amen. Okay. Well, I'm going to quit because I think I stepped on too many toes already. And then we're going to, I still have some more that I want to go to about how, how to be mature and, and, and mature in your, your understanding. And because and, uh, there's a lot of people out there goofy. 
I used to, as a young man, have more tact, but I don't got any anymore. I mean, people just goofy. Just goofy. So, I don't want you to be goofy. Look at the person beside you and say, I think he's talking about you. It couldn't be me. <laughs> and stand to your feet, if you would. Can I have my prayer team come down? For everyone, those of you watching and those of you in here today, listen to me. The greatest thing you can ever do is make Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible's real simple. The Bible simply says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says that if you confess through your mouth in the Lord Jesus Christ and believe that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. No big hoops to jump through. It just means, are you going to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died on a cross for you and for your sins, and that you can be forgiven through his sacrifice, and that he was raised from the dead, and he's alive forevermore. That's all it means. When you do that, there's a transformation, a creative force of God that comes on the inside of you, and you're born again, the Bible says. And all you have to do is come to that place. It's a place, like I talked about this morning, of godly sorrow leading to repentance. So church, listen to me. If you're out there watching right where you're at, you can, you can stop and you can pray and you can ask Jesus to come into your life right there at your home, in your car, and you can ask him to come into your life and he'll, get, he'll touch you right there. But if you're in here today, I just want you to know, that's why we have prayer team people here. It's not for their good looks and to show them off and their nice shirts and stuff like that and their pretty dresses. It's to help you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. There's nothing embarrassing about it. You're really stupid if you walk out the doors and you don't know that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life. Now, some of you that hurt your feelings because you said, Pastor, doesn't call me stupid. But I'm telling you, you are, because I would not walk out those doors if I didn't know that Jesus Christ was the Lord and Savior of my life. That if I died, I was going to go to heaven, that I'm right with God. I wouldn't walk out the doors if I was you. But that's when we have prayer team people up here. And so I, I'm going to pray for everyone. I'm going to pray for this, this all over everybody. If you just have prayer needs or, or, or concerns you want some agreement with, well, then they're here to pray with you. But as I pray over you and I dismiss this service, listen, I just want to encourage you. If, if you need to come forward, come forward. Don't be embarrassed. There's nothing embarrassing about getting saved and living in heaven for the rest of your life. <laughs> and then having God want to give you all things. That's a good deal. That's a good deal. And so let me pray over you. Let me bless you. And then if you need the prayer team, we're here for you. So, Father, this day I just declare in Jesus' name, Lord, that your hand is upon us all. And that today I pray that godly sorrow... Lord, you said it would produce repentance and lead us into salvation. So I just declare that, that there is on our lives today, Lord, our repentant heart. There's the times that we haven't read, the times that we haven't been with you, the times that we haven't seek, sought your face with all of our heart and made you first. And so, Lord, I pray over everyone today. I pray that today's message sinks into their heart, will not get off of them, that, Lord, my voice... Is, is, is your voice speaking to them and that today it'll get in their heads like a record that just won't quit playing that they got to read the word, they got to read the word, they got to read the word, they got to read the word. And it'll just get into them, Lord, and it will get them to the place they need to be. So, Father, we praise you. We thank you for everything you're doing. We thank you. You are such a good God. We thank you the courts of heaven are open. I ask you to bless these people, bless their hands, bless all the things that they do, Lord. And we just thank you for letting us be lights and witnesses this week in a dying and hurting world. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Oh.